This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you take your time in these situations, you're going to have more encounters. You're going to have a better experience. You can give up without leaving the field. You can still be out hunting and you could have totally given up. I was there many times. That is something incredible that honestly, the majority of the people in this world will never see. Have you ever thought about that? You have to enjoy it. You you have to look forward to how miserable this hunt's going to be. If nothing is going to make you happy except for harvesting a bull, maybe a, a solo archery elk hunt isn't your best bet. Your why has to supersede everything. Hey, all this is Sam, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever, whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first buck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartice, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the Interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to episode 124 of The Wild Initiative. Before we get started, another big thank you to Sawyer Products for their continued support of the podcast. Y'all make sure you head on over to Sawyer.com and check out the absolute best when it comes to water filtration, insect repellent, first aid, and sunscreen. It's all of that really simple gear that can honestly just keep you in the outdoors for longer. I use (laughs) most of their stuff on pretty much all my hunts. So, Make sure y'all check them out at Sawyer.com. 
Also, y'all, if you have a brand, a podcast, a outfitter, a taxidermy shop, anything, and you are really looking to upgrade your web presence, improve your online marketing, or if you're just looking to start something, make sure y'all hit me up. Head on over to the website at thewildinitiative.com slash website design. Y'all can check out some of my prior projects. I'm always getting uh, new ones up there. And you can fill out a quote request form. Y'all, if you talk to any of my past clients, they'll tell you that I give top-of-the-line service at a probably the most reasonable rate around, and I will make sure you are happy with the end result that you're walking away with. So head on over to the website. You can either go to thewildinitiative.com slash website hyphen design, or you can just go straight to the website. There's a media tab, and you can click on the marketing and branding tab there. Let's get you into a brand new website or upgrade that marketing. Also, y'all, if you have been listening to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed. Uh, you don't want to miss out on a single episode. It's really important you subscribe, get all of the content in your podcast provider every week. Also, I would really appreciate it if you went in and you left a quick rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps the podcast grow. It helps me move up in the, I guess, for lack of a better term, rankings. So it becomes visible to more people. It only takes a minute to do it. Uh, so would really appreciate just an honest rating and review. Uh, and anytime you want to send me feedback, whether it's guests you want to hear from or you know things you think could be improved about the podcast, I would absolutely love to hear it. Um, I really value those of you that are listening that send in feedback. I always take it into account. Uh, I can't always incorporate everything. I can't always get every guest on, but I really do love hearing from y'all. So make sure you hit me up. All my contact info is on the website at thewildinitiative.com. All right, y'all for today's episode, I don't have a smart guy for you. I got me. <laughs> um, I am uh, I'm doing another solo episode here. Uh, I don't do these very often, but I like to, as a way to just collect my own thoughts and really tie together the end of a, a big hunting trip, I really like to sit down and record an episode like this and talk to you all about what I learned on the trip and what I experienced. And, you know, I think there are learnings that can be found in something like this. Um, there's so many similarities between this and my first hunt and so many things that are so completely different. A lot of this stuff is are things that I really struggle to embrace and incorporate into my hunts. Some I am absolutely terrible at doing. But, you know, again, those that have been following my story know my last two years have been far from successful even if you really stretch the definition of the term you know you can go back to some of my prior episodes and they'll be linked on the show notes pages but you can hear about my recap of my very first hunt and you know the, the long and short of it is the second and third days of my hunt I tore the meniscus in both of my knees and had to call in my good buddy Clayton Marks or the adventure cowboy to come 
bring in his horses and help pack me out. Otherwise, it was going to take me a month to crawl my way out of there. And then the following year, I went in with another good buddy. Uh, and we ran llamas really deep into the Colorado backcountry and into a spot that the prior year was an absolute war zone with elk, uh, elk bulls and bugles. And unfortunately, this year, all we saw were a couple of cows and weren't even able to get in on them. So coming in this year, I wanted to also do things a little bit differently. I wanted to stay more mobile this year, try out multiple spots, not overcommit myself to a single spot, and really just give myself more opportunity to explore different areas and cover more ground and also just be a little bit more comfortable on my hunt, be able to stay at local motels or camp near the car if I wanted to. So really, I mean, one of the main lessons I learned is, you know, don't commit yourself to an area. I mean, I learned this hard over the past three years. Unless you, there are specific elk in there that you know are in there that you are really chasing and you're getting into them, don't camp there hoping they're going to magically show up. For those of us that are fairly new to hunting, especially elk hunting, and we're not looking to necessarily harvest a giant booner bull, find elk where they're at, not where they should, not where you think they should be. Uh, go exploring. Find areas where you can get into them a lot more regularly and a lot easier than, you know, hiking seven, ten miles deep and staying in an area for a week where you're uncomfortable, you're tired, you're grumpy, and maybe you're hearing one or two bugles. Uh, stay mobile. Give yourself the opportunity to hunt multiple areas. Find spots where you can glass from your car, like just where you can kind of pull up, find a good hillside of public land, maybe a little ways off, and just sit and glass it at dawn and dusk and see if there's elk there. Don't hike in until you know there's elk. And, I, you know, not to harp on that point, but I saw a noticeable improvement in my season and my attitude and enjoyment when I started staying mobile, moving around, checking out new areas, and suddenly getting into elk. And once I started getting into elk, that was one of the most exciting moments for me because then I felt like I was really learning. One of my frustrations with the past several years is not so much that I didn't harvest an elk. It, it's that I didn't feel like I was learning as much as I could because I wasn't getting into elk. I was out there. I was definitely learning things What, uh, to some extent what works and what doesn't. But until you're finally actually getting into elk, you don't have that opportunity to mess up, screw up stocks, make mistakes. Um, half of the time you don't know. It's like, am I doing things right and the elk just aren't here? Or am I doing things all wrong and I'm blowing them out before I ever see them? You, you, don't, you don't know enough to know what you don't know. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Um, so one of the most exciting things about this trip, finally getting into elk, was the opportunity to make mistakes. And I really think that's the way you have to look at it when you first start out hunting is you learn from all these mistakes you make. And trust me, I made so many, so stinking many mistakes. 
Um, you know, one thing I was always very, very careful about playing the wind. And I would honestly say that's one mistake I didn't or very rarely didn't make was disregarding the wind. I was always very, very careful to have the wind in my favor anytime I was stalking. And I really don't think short of just some, uh, a couple of opportunities where I knew it was going to happen and there's nothing I could do about it. I really don't think I blew out any elk from disregarding the wind, but there were several times when I thought, Oh, I was far enough away. Oh, there's enough trees in between me and them to where I could move fairly freely. And that was very rarely the case, man. They will pick out the slightest bit of movement from freaking a thousand yards away. It's insane. I was blown away by what would catch their eye. And, you know, if you guys have studied elk much, you know that they have almost 180 degree field of vision out of each eye. So unless their head is like down feeding with, for some, you know, behind some grass or a bush or they're, you know, walking behind a tree, they can really pick you out pretty easily. And, I learned very quickly, you know, how still I had to be, how slow I had to move, and when I could move. I mean, some other mistakes I made really related to that is uh, just in general not taking my time. There were so many times towards the very beginning that I think I could have had more encounters, more stocks on elk if I had honestly assume that around every corner, around every tree, you know, in the tree line of every clearing, there was going to be several cows, several bulls, whatever it happened to be. So really make sure you take your time because yeah, you may know exactly where that whole herd of elk are, but unless you're going for that specific satellite bull and you don't want anything else, you know, you never know if there's going to be a group of satellites or a small herd of just a handful of elk right around this corner in this little meadow between you and the big herd. And I've seen some really big bulls in those little herds. It's <laughs> There were quite a few bulls that I came across or I blew out in those situations that I don't know many people that would pass on. So really, you know, as your first starting out in your hunting, take your time. And, you know, that's not to say there won't be times where you do need to somewhat rush, you need to haul butt, you need to move. But generally, as a rule of thumb, you're going to find more success if you take your time in these situations. You're going to have more encounters. You're going to have a better experience. If you go slow, pick apart everything, Use your ears. Use all your senses. Use your nose. There is several times when I smelled elk before I saw them or heard them. I mean, seeing elk was the short of glassing long distances. I saw, I came across more elk because I smelled them or heard them first. And I knew to hunker down and then could get eyes on them in the distance. Didn't mean I could get in on them, unfortunately, but... I had more experiences because of that. So using all my senses, the times I was going slow, wasn't just rushing to get somewhere where I thought I should be. And like I said, there'll be times when you will need to move fast. And that's one of those things to where nobody can really 
teach that to you. You can't, or I should say, you can't really learn that from a video online or reading something or somebody just telling you when it is. That's something that really can only be learned by time in the field. And again, that's something I don't have. I don't have a sixth sense about. I'm still learning, but I'm a lot better at it than I was six weeks ago. So, you know, that's just something time in the field can't ever be replaced. And that's why it is valuable. If you can go with someone, if you can find like a a buddy who is super experienced that you can learn from, that's always the best option. Don't do dumb stuff like me and constantly be elk hunting solo. I don't know why I do it, to be honest. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's, I don't know. There's, I, I've always kind of enjoyed being alone, but you know, that brings up, that brings up something else is it's hard hunting by yourself. It is so easy to talk yourself into and out of things. You know, the benefits of hunting with someone is you can really build each other up and you can encourage each other and you can even compete with each other a little bit and it pushes you. When you're by yourself, it's so easy to get so deep in your head and, you know, convince yourself, oh, there haven't been elk on this face, you know, the past three times I've checked. It's a pretty nasty hike. I'd rather just take a midday nap rather than checking out this really nice north-facing slope. You know, you have that buddy, you're like, all right, we got to go check that slope again. You have that extra motivation. You guys will push each other. But so you need to find ways to stay motivated when you're hunting by yourself. And again, I'm not an expert at this. I'm actually terrible at this. I was constantly, I constantly wanted to give up when I was out there. I mean, just straight talk. I wanted to give up all the time when I was out, uh, out in the field. And there was a lot of times when I did. And, you know, it's a, it's such a cliche to th- thing to say, I feel like. Being like, oh, yeah, you know, you can't give up when you're out in the field. But it's not just about, it's more than just giving up and going back into town or going back to the car or stopping the hunt for a while. There's, you can give up without leaving the field. You can still be out hunting and you could have totally given up. And I was there many times. And and to the point where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm out here. I'm still covering ground. But you don't, you're not expecting to see anything. And here's the deal. Again, I'm terrible at this. But you have to, when you're out in the woods, if you really want to be successful, you need to be on your game the whole time. You need to be going through the woods expecting to see elk around every tree. You can't be trudging. And trust me, I'm the king of just head down trudging. You know, I'm telling myself that, oh, I'm out. I'm still out doing it. I'm still covering ground. I'm still hunting. But I'm not hunting. I'm just walking in the woods with my bow. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about how much noise I'm making. Half of the time, I'm not even paying attention to the wind. Um, and yeah, that's better than just giving up and going back to the car most of the time. But that's not nearly as good as, as staying focused and not giving up mentally. Don't give up. You know, find find what's going to push you. And that's really a big thing is, you know, everyone talks about it, but you have to find your why. 
and it has to be the most important thing to you. You know, I'm not saying make it more important than God, make it more important than family. But uh, when you're out in the woods, your why, why you're out there, needs to be more important to you than being comfortable. Needs to be more important to you than not feeling tired. Your why has to supersede everything. And that's not to say you have to have all this figured out before you can leave your car. You'll discover a lot of them along the way. And also to that regard, you're going to be covering a ton of ground. So you're going to be sore. Your back's going to hurt. Your glutes are going to hurt. Your legs are going to hurt. Um, You're going to start wondering if you can take one more step. You're going to be too cold. You're going to be too hot. There's going to be all kinds of miserable conditions. And then when you're finally successful, it's going to get even more miserable because you're going to have to pack out several hundred pounds of meat. You know, hopefully if you're lucky, you got some buddies with you or maybe you got an ATV close enough by to where that can help. But here's the deal. You need to find more than just being able to deal with how much it sucks. You can only just deal with something for so long before you start questioning why you're out there and wanting to quit. You have to, more than just finding a way to get through the suck, you know, whatever, I hate using the term because it's so cliche, but you have to embrace it. Uh, You have to embrace the suck, yo. Um, (laughs) You have to embrace it. You have to enjoy it. You, You have to look forward to how miserable this hunt's gonna be. Because that's how you stay out in the woods. And again, you know, there's times I was able to do that. But there was times when I would have rather been dead than be out there, you know. Um, These are just things I've learned throughout the hunt, you know. And whatever of these you can really take on and embrace, you'll be all the better for it. You know, I don't. There are very few people out there who embody all of these, I don't know, suggestions, tips, things I've learned. But the people that that do, they are some of the most successful hunters I know. You know, these are just things that you can embrace what you want and you'll only be the better for it. Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break from recapping my elk hunt to talk to y'all about Live Bearded. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, is known to have said, Growing a beard is a habit most natural, scriptural, manly, and beneficial. So here's the deal. If he said it, it's got to be true. And now you may be talking to me, you may be listening to this and saying... All right, you know what? Live bearded isn't for me. I have trouble growing a beard. It comes in all scraggly and thin and doesn't connect in places. Well, y'all, I'm about to take away your excuse because not only does Live Bearded offer some incredible beard grooming and styling products, Live Bearded also offers a really cool beard growth bundle. So, y'all, For those of you that struggle with growing a beard, head on over to livebearded.com and check out their beard growth bundles. It'll help your beard grow in fuller, stronger, and longer. 
So it's, it is definitely worth checking out. And again, ladies, for those of you that are ignoring this because we're talking about beards, come on. Let's face it. You know your guy looks manlier with a beard. Encourage him to grow one. We got Christmas coming up. Maybe pick him up a bundle for Christmas. And as a special gift to my podcast listeners, make sure y'all use code TWI10. Get 10% off your order. So head on over to livebearded.com. Check out the Beard Growth Bundles. I think they even have their holiday scents out. So (laughs) you can get uh, smelling like Christmas, y'all. Check them out, livebearded.com. Use code TWI10 for 10% off your order. All right, y'all. I've talked a lot about, you know, don't give up. Just keep going. Push hard. You know, don't don't quit. You know, you always need to be go, 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 go. I have talked a lot about that, but... That's not to say there's not also a place for rest. You know, especially those of us that are new to all of this, that have not been doing it for a decade or more, you know, sometimes you just need rest. You need a mental refresher. Uh, There's only so many times, you know, you can talk yourself out of giving up without taking a little bit of rest. And so... You know, that's another thing I learned is I try and push myself as hard as I can go, and I try and push myself a little bit further each time, each day. But there's also a time when rest is important because if it comes down to you push yourself so hard that you end up breaking, you're not going to be successful in that situation either. There is a place for rest. You know, if that's just sitting down having a quick snack and glassing for a bit, if that is taking that midday nap, if that is just finding some time to kind of shut off your brain for a minute and just listen to the birds and lean up against a tree, take that time if it is going to improve your situation and keep you out there for longer. One of the great things about going out into the woods is the ability to disconnect from everything. And, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on that, and that is super important. But especially, again, I, I, when, you're, when you're new and you're not used to being so disconnected all the time, there's something really refreshing about finding a way to stay connected. Um, you know, whether that's picking up a Garmin in reach and just being able to send a text to your loved ones or your friends or whatever it is and and check in. Um, or if that's finding, you know, knowing that one that one ridge where you get those two bars of reception and you can make an Instagram post or you can just see what's going on in the world and it's there's something relieving and that takes off a lot of mental pressure when you're just able to, you know, say, Hey, to your buddy or your wife or your girlfriend or your, you know, your boyfriend or your significant other, whatever it is, there's something refreshing about that. 
and it relaxes your mind a little bit, and then you're able to continue on, you know, make that connection a choice, you know, and don't, you know, I know I struggle with uh, sometimes trying to stay too connected. I mean, you know, it's my job. I freelance doing digital work and building websites all the time. So sometimes it's, it's often hard for me not to work from the side of a cliff, which, to be honest, I'll take that over working in an office any day. But, you know, sometimes I need to go the opposite direction. But so often we focus so much on, oh, you need to go out in the woods and be completely disconnected. And, well, there's benefits to staying connected with your loved ones. Um, it can actually keep you out for longer. It gives you that refresher that you so often need. Now, y'all, I talk about defining your measures of success all the time. And, you know, I probably shoot. It's got to be every other episode at least that I mention how important it is to define your measures of success. But one thing I don't talk about and that I've kind of come to realize through this hunt and through a lot of my frustrations is as you define these measures of success, you actually have to believe them. (laughs) You have to really embrace that and you have to pick something that you will be satisfied with. Um, Because it's easy to say, be like, yeah, you know, my measure of success is I want to have, just have an encounter with some elk this year. And it's all well and good to say that, but you actually have to believe that and be fulfilled by that. And it's harder, it's harder said than, it's easier said than done. It's, it's really hard to do oftentimes. You know, I, uh, I set these measures of success and and I try and live by them and so many of them are exciting moments like oh my gosh Com- especially compared to my prior years I have had so many exciting moments this year and in this hunt it has been absolutely incredible I mean I've been 80 yards from three different groups of bulls that have been just locked up and fighting you know I've I've finally heard bulls bugling I've been close to them while they're gathering their herds and I've called in I called in a bull for a buddy and that is an incredible experience and I do revel in that but I am still I do find myself incredibly frustrated and I did find myself not being as satisfied and not being as fulfilled as I should have been in my measure of success. And, you know, I don't have an answer on how to do that, how to find fulfillment in those measures of success, but it's just something important to consider as you're choosing them, really examining that and saying to yourself, okay, is this going to, is this really going to fulfill me? And if it's not, if, if nothing is going to make you happy, except for harvesting a bull, you know, maybe a a solo archery elk hunt isn't your best bet. You know, figure out what the right hunt for you is. You know, there's no shame in going with a guide or going with an outfitter, uh, paying a little bit extra. Maybe you're paying, you know, a thousand bucks extra or, uh, you know, 2,500 bucks extra to go on this hunt, but you're 
have a lot higher chance of success, it's almost guaranteed maybe, you're going to find more fulfillment in that than trying to save the money and then just getting super frustrated because you're not, you know, you told yourself, oh, yeah, having an encounter with a bull is enough for me. But really in the back of your head, all you wanted was to fill a tag. You know, when you're out in the woods a long time by yourself, you know, you can you can talk yourself into a lot of things. You you know, you can start believing your own hype sometimes. But it's deep down, it's really hard not to come to some very honest realizations about yourself. And one of my big frustrations with this hunt, and, you know, this is this is going to sound like a totally full of myself thing to say. But one of my big frustrations is that I'm not used to being bad at things. Um, I've always, throughout my life, picked up skills very quickly. You know, I've always liked learning to do lots of different things, uh, all kinds of all kinds of different things, and just the way my mind works. I have a very process oriented mind, so I tend to pick up skills quickly. And hunting has been a struggle for me. And obviously, you know, I have not done done it the traditional route and probably the or probably the smartest route. Uh, you know, I'm taking on some of the uh, some of the effectively hardest hunts you know, there are, but I'm just not good at hunting. <laughs> I am, I am really bad at hunting. And, you know, I know a lot of that is just, it's one of those things that you can't just learn, uh, academically. It has to be experienced. And it's something I've really realized and learned about myself, uh, as I've been struggling through this and, uh, just killing myself over it. I struggle not completely be- to not completely beat myself up over this whole thing. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of self talk that goes on, and <laughs> I uh, I really do have to realize that you know this isn't a, a typical skill that I can just pick up by reading a book. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of value that comes from learning that way, and uh, you know you'll be more prepared. The more studying you do, the more prepared you will be when you get into the outdoors. But nothing is ever going to replace that time in the woods. Um, I can't say it enough. I've probably said it a hundred times on this podcast already, and a hundred more on podcasts prior to this. Um, but you will never learn like you do in the woods. Find ways to get out there. Um, spend as much time as you can. Devote as much time to hunting as you possibly can. And, you know, not everyone not everyone has those opportunities available, which is unfortunate. But you've really got to uh, examine your priorities. And if hunting is something you want to do, you have to devote time to it. But so also related to finding success in the woods and these measures of success and examining your whys and all of this stuff is taking time to just enjoy the small stuff. You can't let the end result of, you know, having to harvest an animal or or all of this, you can't let that take away from your love of being outdoors. Um there were so many times that 
I would locate a herd of elk and yeah, it would be frustrating because they'd be a mile away on this big open face of private land that I couldn't even get close to, let alone access. And, you know, I could have just thrown up my hands, left the area, gone. And yeah, maybe I should have gone and explored some other basins, but, you know, there's something pretty freaking incredible about watching, you know, a herd or a couple of herds of two, three, or more, you know, hundred elk just pouring out of the timberline on a hillside and just sitting there watching them feed and interact and fight and uh, rut and all of this stuff. Like, take time to enjoy that stuff. I mean, that is something incredible that honestly the majority of the people in this world will never see. Have you ever thought about that? Like, you see something like that, the majority of the people in the world can't even imagine something like that. And elk are such incredible creatures. Like, you know, it's one thing seeing a, to see, like, a herd of deer like that, but something like elk, man, that's incredible. And I look back, you know, at everything I got to experience while I was out. You know, I saw... A lot of animals. I saw my first porcupine. I harvested my first porcupine. I mean, that was kind of a funny story. You know, I was, uh, I was coming down, and I had spotted a couple of satellite bulls on this draw, uh, come, feeding down this draw that I could that uh, I could get at. And I went to call them in, and I don't know if somehow the wind swirled, and they, they winded me, or they just weren't having what I was selling. But I couldn't get them to come in. I'd been calling for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and I just couldn't get them to come in. Uh, you know, I'd lost track of them. And I was all set up, and I hear this crack, crack behind me of some, some branches. And I thought to myself, oh, crud. They snuck up behind me. You know, they, had, they snuck up behind me. I was expecting them to, to see them both standing there looking at me. Um, but... I turn around and see something I'd never seen before. I mean, I'd recognized it from pictures, but I saw a big old porcupine. I mean, this thing was like 30, 35 pounds. This thing was bigger than my dogs. And uh, I tell you what, that thing looked as surprised to see me as I was to see it. It, it had not seen me. It had not winded me. Uh, but that thing, like, jumped and just waddled off as fast as it could. It was this big old roly-poly porcupine. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, it was getting towards the end of shooting light. I didn't think I was going to get in on any elk. So I kind of stalked in on it a little bit and it, it hidden, uh, hidden behind some downed pine branches and, uh, I got an angle on it and I was able to put an arrow in it. And, and I'll tell you what, gutting a porcupine is a very delicate business, especially when it's big, fat and like super roly poly and you can't just get it to lay out on its back. Um, it keeps trying to like flop to one side or the other and, you know, you're using one hand to hold it open. You're trying to avoid the spines and that was a cool experience. And, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to Euro that head. It's a, it's a, just a cool looking, uh, cool looking skull. And I'll probably give the hide to my taxidermist to do something with. Unfortunately, uh, he got gut shot pretty bad. The angle I was at. The gut pretty much got blown wide open. My severed broadheads, I'll tell you what, they uh, they did a number on this guy. 
I hit the vitals, and it effectively took all of the guts and pushed them out the exit hole. When I was when I was gutting them, I had to pull them to get them out effectively without causing a bigger mess. I had to pull them all back through the hole. So yeah, here's the, there's the vibrant description of uh, of me gutting a porcupine. But you know that was just so exciting. Um, you know, seeing a porcupine for the first time, getting to harvest one. You know, there was just so many experiences that I had out there. And, you know, yeah, I'm frustrated that I did not harvest an animal. Um, or harvest an elk, I should say. Like, that. that's really, that's really digging at me, admittedly. But, you know, I'll tell you what. If I didn't really take the time to appreciate those incredible moments that I've had that I've experienced while I was out there, you know, I, I would be so much more frustrated. I would just be, I would probably be devastated if I wasn't able to look back and really appreciate and embrace those so many awesome experiences. Um, I mean, here's the deal, y'all. It's, it's tough not harvesting an animal. I mean, however much we talk about measures of success and finding enjoyment and blah, 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 blah. You know, just to kind of wrap this up, and it's not going to be the most encouraging note. But you can work your ass off. You can put in more effort than just about anyone. You can do everything right. And you know what? That will increase your chances of success. But it doesn't guarantee anything. It's not an encouraging thing to hear, but it's the truth. And I think more of us need to hear it. You know, that's not to say that I don't wish you the absolute best with your hunts. And I don't hope that you fill every tag. I really do. And, y'all, I hope, uh, you know, you found something valuable in this episode. Maybe it's something you need, you learn some things you need to focus on for yourself more. I don't know. Who knows, maybe you just sat listening to this thinking, this guy's a complete idiot. But I genuinely hope uh, you found something valuable. I hope uh, as you're on your hunts through this late season and through the rest of the year and next season, when you're going through maybe, I don't know, maybe you're climbing up a hill and you're you're thinking about giving up for the day and maybe maybe this is just that little encouragement for you to keep going. I, you know, who knows? But uh, I hope you found something valuable in this. Um, So, y'all, that'll do it for uh, episode 124 of the Wild Initiative. Big thank you to myself for uh, sitting down and talking to myself the entire time on this podcast. Um, Y'all, you can check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 124. Um, Make sure you all hit me up if you're looking to upgrade your digital presence or your marketing, your branding, or need a new website. Also, make sure you check out Live Bearded. Uh, Y'all get your bearded buddy or your man a gift for the holidays coming up. If you want to grow a beard, but just don't think you can grow a beard, make sure you check out their uh, beard growth packages and use code TWI10 to get 10% off your order, but... Y'all, that's it for this week. Uh, Looking forward to next time. 
But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 